You're listening to Three Fuel Podcast, a podcast about the most advanced sports nutrition and sports recovery product on the planet. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. For more information, go to threefuel.com. I'm here today with elite runner Brandon Bethke. Since 1957, only 350 runners have ran a sub four minute mile, and Brandon is one of them. Brandon is a sub four minute miler and is part of the Three Fuel Army. Brandon, it's great to have you on the show. Hi, thanks, Aaron. It's great to be here. Really appreciate it. Brandon, so tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get interested in running? Well, my background in running, I started running um, to stay in shape for soccer and baseball. So growing up, I was an athlete, played every sport imaginable. Um, different stuff like that and in in high school getting into high school soccer out here in california is a winter sport baseball is a spring sport and so in the fall didn't really have anything going on so i wanted to start um i wanted to run i'd always liked running the mile in in pe and middle school and and so um kind of got got into it and then uh, found out i was i was good at it so uh, i was excited you know in a big school out here i was able to make varsity as a freshman and then you know just kind of kept progressing from there Mm-hmm. And so, so what was it that you liked about running that made you stick with it? Um, well, at first it was, it was, uh, pretty much cause I was good at it. Um, I was good at most sports, but with running, it just came really easy. And, um, and then I just liked the, um, then moving on from that, I had, you know, that quick success, but then going from there, it was something that, I don't know, it was just something different. There's just something different about it when you're in really good shape and you're hitting your splits, you're in a workout, and things are clicking for you, there's no other feeling like it. So um, I kind of got addicted to that, hmm. I guess you would say. Um, and I loved the team aspect of, of running, just that you know, with all your competitors and everybody that, that runs, after you're done racing or whether you're training, everybody um, kind of has that mutual respect. You get done, and even if you beat somebody or lose to somebody, everybody's just kind of like, man, that was hard. We gave it our all. I'm exhausted. I can't see straight. And so you kind of have that camaraderie that kind of grows from there. And so I really love that about the sport. And no matter where you are, whatever you're doing, every day you go out and run. And it's kind of like the later on now where I'm at in my career is that I love just improving myself. Is that like every day I like going out and getting better at something. And running definitely does that for me no matter what stage you're at, no matter how good you are. It can do that for you. And it's, it's pretty empowering when you think about it in that way. Mm-hmm. So, Brandon, you've come a long way since uh, you you switched from uh, soccer to running in high school. What were some of your, your mile times in high school, and, and how long did it take to get down to that four-minute mile? Yeah, so um, that's a good question. So I guess I would say in middle school, before I started running competitively, I think I ran somewhere between a 540 and a 550 mile. Um, like I said, I was a pretty athletic kid. I played every sport I always was on different teams growing up so I was pretty fit in general so running that 540 550 was was pretty good um, my freshman year I think I was uh, I ran maybe 440 ish for the mile um, and then from there my, my sophomore year I ran 421 and then my junior year um, I ran 409 and uh, and then my senior year I was injured and so um, and then it took me a couple years in college where I ran equivalent to sub four right at four minutes um, in the mile uh, whether I was running the 1500 or a different distance um, I was kind of right in that ballpark but you know I got to that 409 barrier but it's a, there was a, I realized there's a big difference between that 409 and even like a 403 or 404 and there's a 
another jump to go to 401 and then there's a big jump from even 401 402 to under four um it's just kind of mentally definitely but also physically it's just different you know when you're talking about running you know 59.0 per lap for four laps it's a little bit different than running 60 there's something about that minute barrier for those things um so you know it took some time but um you know, I changed my training a ton from high school to college. And so um, that was definitely, a, it took a little bit of time for that to catch up too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your training. What does it, what does it actually take to run that, uh, those kind of times? Yeah, definitely. So like when I was in high school, I was probably running about 40 to 50 miles a week. Um, and so pretty, you know, I took Sundays off. So I only did that. Um, we do one long run a week, couple workouts. When I got to college, I was running my freshman year. I ran 75 miles a week, and I was by far uh, the lowest mileage guy on the team. Um, I ran 75 miles my first year, probably 85 to 90 my second year, and then the third year in college, my junior year is when I broke four minutes. Um, I was running, I think, two weeks before I broke four minutes, I had just run over 100 miles for the first time. So I was running 100 miles a week, um, doing two or three workouts a week, like you know, interval sessions or um, – you know, speed sessions, uh, mile repeat sessions, those kind of things. And then, a you know, two hour long run or an 18, 20 mile long run. Um, you know, and I was running seven days a week from when I was, uh, after I graduated from high school, everything in college was seven days a week. So that was a big change. I mean, I could get into, you know, as many specifics of that as you want to, but even then from after my junior year of college, um, I, cause I redshirted my freshman year. And so that was actually my redshirt sophomore year would have been my uh, year I broke four. So my, but my third year in college, uh, growing from there, I, I went on to run, you know, 110, 115, 120 miles a week for my last two years of college. Um, if you averaged for the, for the base training of my season. So, wow, that that's an incredible amount of mileage. So for our listeners, I mean, uh, you know, most of our listeners aren't running that kind of mileage or doing those kind of workouts. But tell us, what kind, what does it take the rest of the, the day to sort of recover from all that training? Uh, that's about it. You're you're spending the rest of the day doing that. I mean, you know, when um, you know it's it's waking up in the morning and I'm running seven miles before I even go to school. You know, it's uh, seven miles in the morning and then we have class. Uh, you know, I have class and and then when I get done with class, I'm you know, um, I practice and run 10 miles, 10 to 12 miles in the afternoon. So that's pretty much on a daily basis what that looks like. In between, when I was in college, I was going to class or I would set my class schedule when I would only have like a couple classes right in a row. So I could take, you know, right after my morning run, I'd have an hour or maybe I could get in a nap at a certain point in time in the day. Pretty much the rest of the day, you focus on recovery. When you're running those times, you focus on you got to hydrate 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I would drink like, I don't know, almost 100 ounces of water every day. So it's really, really hydrated. Um, and then, you know, making sure I had the right kind of nutrition, make sure, you know, before and after that I was doing that, I was eating more for fuel instead of for like pleasure. I was eating to fuel my body, to fuel my muscles uh, versus just eating for what I wanted. So all those things together really helped. I was obviously making sure too, I had, you know, you know, stretching, I was doing a ton of core workouts and, you know, weight routines, that kind of stuff. And, and so there's a lot of things that go into that, that you have to, you have to build a base, you know, you, you build a foundation before you can reach those, that kind of mileage. So it took a long time for me to get everything right. And I had definitely had injuries along the way. Um, but I found, you know, and you will always kind of have little aches and pains and, you know, you can still get injured no matter what. But, um, you know, I found a good system that worked for me. 
Mm-hmm. So you've told us a, a bit about what it took to kind of reach that four-minute barrier. What was it like when you actually uh, were racing and, and trying to hit four minutes? Uh, was there a specific race that you had targeted where you finally achieved it, or how did it go down? Yeah, yeah. So I had run um, I had run 401 the previous year, and so uh, for, col- for collegiate uh, racing, um, there's fall cross-country, and then during the winter, like right now, there's the indoor track season, and then outdoors starts in April. And so during the indoor season, they run the mile, the full mile. Whereas every, you know, outdoor track, they run the 1500, which is the metric equivalent of a mile, but it's not the exact distance, about 17 seconds off. Um, So we had, I had been focusing all my training after the cross country season on running the 3K. Um, So 3000 meters instead of, you know, um, the mile. And so I was really focusing on that. And I had just kind of geared everything towards that. And then as our training came, right about this time, maybe, you know, two weeks, it was maybe late January of 2008, um, I had a really good workout. And I always, I knew I was in shape and I was kind of right around that, that week that I ran 100 miles a week. And I knew I was in good fitness. I really wanted to run a good 3K. And then I hit a good workout where I was running, we did repeat quarters, so repeat 400s. And like I ran like, uh, you know, on, on short rest, I think I ran a 58, a 57, a 55, and a 53 um, on an indoor 200-meter track, and it was pretty easy. I felt really relaxed, and I was like, I'm ready to go. I can do this. And so we made sure and entered me into a mile um, 10 days after that. And um, and so I knew that it was going to be close, but I mind you, I'd run 401 the year before, and so I knew I, I could have been closer in that race the previous year, but it didn't work out. And so um, yeah, I just kind of geared up for it. And then in the race itself was a, a totally different story. It was just kind of, you know, you try and hit certain splits. You want to be as even as possible, but then you're in a race with 20 other guys and you it yo-yos and, you know, guys are falling and pushing you and all that stuff. And then, um, but fortunately enough, I, I closed really fast. I think I had a 56 for my last lap and I was able to get under by, I think just under two tenths. I ran like 359.85. So Wow, that must have been really exciting. And then after that, you actually took a couple more seconds off. When did that? When yeah. did you further increase or decrease your time? Yeah, so that I ran three fifty-seven that time, and I'd run some other. They run like relays in college, so I'd run some relays where I'd run under under four minutes again on some relay legs that I did. Um, but it took because um, I didn't really run the competitive mile for a couple years after that. I focused on the three k, um, and so every time I ran a mile, it was just in preparation for a different distance. Um, and so I was still in that four minute range, that kind of stuff. And then I, I might, I'd run faster, but it was a metric equivalent. So I might run 340 or 341 in the 1500, which was under my mile PR, but it's not exact. Um, and then it was when I was in Ireland in 2011. So it was like three and a half years later um, when I finally, they have a, uh, in, in uh, Dublin, Ireland, they have something called the Morton Mile. It's a track race and it's like, the highlight is the mile, and so um, there. As I ran 357, uh, 34, I, th- I believe, and I think I could have run a lot faster or a couple seconds faster had it been a differently paced race. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just a cool feeling to do it. Yeah. So indoors and outdoors. So. Yeah. So Brandon, what are you up to now? Are you still focusing on the mile, or are you doing different distances? Yeah. So I focus on the mile pretty much um, in college a little bit. My A lot of what I was doing was running in the 5K. So that's actually what I competed in. That was my main event in college. And also when I ran 
at the 2012 Olympic trials, I ran the 5,000. Um, so even though I could run under four minutes, my better event was the 5K. Um, and so that's what I kind of focused on then. Um, now I'm kind of looking more to get onto the road scene. So get on the, some road races, um, you know, getting some local 5 and 10K road races and then build up to a half marathon and definitely do a marathon. I mean, with my training that I did, uh, those years ago, um, it was marathon training, you know, running 120 miles a week and that's marathon training. And so I know I have that base. I know I can do that. And I'd like to see, you know, I, before my career ends, I'd like to see what, what, what that happens, you know, how that looks for me. Um, so that's kind of really what I'm, I'm pushing towards now. Also just doing some funner events, you know, like I might do a, um, like a warrior dash or, you know, something like that coming up, you know, just to kind of have fun and, and just enjoy it versus being on the track and being so immersed in, the you know tenths of a second for this lap and that lap and you know doing that stuff mm-hmm. so you mentioned that recovery is really important especially i mean you're running twice a day so tell me a little bit about the type of food that you're fueling your body with yeah so a lot of it's a lot of protein um i drink like i said i stay stay hydrated is the biggest thing um you know having a lot of protein uh definitely the good thing like right after i have a run or a hard workout like use three fuel it's a great way to have that immediate source of of uh of protein and and the carb ratio and that stuff um i have tons i eat tons of fruits and vegetables um you know i have a salad pretty much with every meal um obviously not breakfast but um you know have a small mixed green salad with um you know, like no iceberg lettuce, you know, I make my own dressing. I'll just put like balsamic vinegar and a little bit of oil and salt and pepper, or, you know, stuff like that. So very, very clean, uh, very healthy eating, you know, plenty of like fruits and vegetables, like I said. So uh, that's kind of usually what I do and break that down. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me, tell me a little bit about, say, what you've had to eat so far today and maybe what a typical dinner would look like for you. Yeah. So today um, I wake up, I've just kind of trying to dial it in again for when I was running, uh, those times back, um, a couple years ago, I would eat, uh, I had oatmeal in the mornings. So I've been getting back to that, like whole grain oats, uh, where I boil it. None of that instant stuff. It's very, very pure, uh, from that, um, kind of perspective. So I'll do that. I'll have, you know, a banana and orange, uh, with that, or I'll have some berries like, you know, mixed in to it. Um, you know, for lunch I'll have some, uh, I'll have like, I'll have a big salad with some chicken, um, you know, maybe some balsamic vinegar on that. Um, and maybe, you know, some, uh, some carrots and stuff that I have laying around in an apple. Um, and then for dinner tonight, I actually don't really know. I have some family in town, so I'm not sure what we're going to be doing for that. But, uh, most of the time it, it looks like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's chicken or steak or fish, um, you know, something like that with, you know, not, not deep fried, not, you know, um, or that kind of stuff with olive oil and, uh, you know, some different seasoned vegetables and some green beans or, you know, different stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that you use three fuel, you, uh, typically right after your run, do you just mix that up with water? Do you put it in milk? Do you blend it with anything? How do you, how do you use it? Yeah. So I, I mix it with water. So I have a three fuel shaker that I use, um, with it. So I just do, I just do water and, and just dial that, dial it in that way. Cause, um, I have a mild like uh, milk allergy uh, or uh, dairy allergy, so I don't want. I don't really like when I have uh, dairy stuff or if I drink milk. It just doesn't sit perfectly well with me, especially if I'm running again or before I run. So I usually just try and stick with it as clean as I can. I can be with that stuff. So most of the time, I use I use water. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Brandon, I'm sure it takes a ton of dedication and motivation to keep doing this every day and uh, keep training as hard as you do. Do you have uh, a job or is, is running your full-time job? Yeah, so no, I have a job. Um, no, running is not my full-time job. It was until 2012, uh, until the Olympics. I worked um, at a physical therapy place where I was kind of their sponsored runner. Um, now, I actually... I help. I run. Uh, I do operations. I'm the chief operations guy for a, an outpatient physical therapy clinic um, in Tustin, uh, California. So um, every morning, you know, it's, I'm, I'm here from nine to six every day, pretty much. Sometimes even longer. And so a lot of my training now is roped around that. So we do a lot of um, of rehab for runners and uh, some of those patients, and so people that have you know, just injuries and that stuff, like building a framework for them to get better. And from that holistic running perspective, um, instead of just kind of treating an injury and, and then just, Oh, you know, getting it better there. understand every injury, especially as a runner, um, traces back to something, some, you know, inadequacy or some weakness, um, some inflexibility somewhere. And if you have shin splints or your stress fracture in your leg or in your shin, it's not always going to be your shin. That's a problem. It could be your hip alignment, that kind of stuff. So I really help. Uh, I do a lot of operations and business development for that. That's what I take care of. Okay. So, so you mentioned that, uh, you've actually dealt with some injuries in the past and you're working yeah. for a physical therapy clinic now. Um, what kind of things have you found are helpful in preventing injuries? Um, a lot of the stuff, like, I think it's that holistic kind of thing I was talking about. I mean, just really it's dialing in your nutrition and hydration for sure, because it's the only way that you're really going to be able to get tightness and, um, those things out of your body, uh, is with water, with rinsing that stuff out. Um, but beyond that, making sure that you're foam rolling on a daily basis, um, making sure you're doing a little bit of strength and conditioning work, uh, body weight stuff is really good for runners. Uh, the biggest thing I always say too is some some um, advice I got when I was in college by a, by a really high profile runner. Uh, he told me, you know, uh, if you're running and something starts bugging you. Um, Figure out really quickly, you, all runners know their body really well, but figure out really quickly whether it's something that you think could be long-term or short-term. If it's a pain you felt before, make sure you roll it out and do that. But if it's something long-term, take a couple days off, go see somebody. Go in and see a physical therapist, go in and see a doctor, um, do that, um, those kind of things. And so that's the biggest advice I would give And just a couple days because if you take – I always heard taking two or three days off now is much better than having to take two months off in, you know, a month or so. So getting it taken care of at the beginning and getting in with a good team of, you know, a physician that understands running is huge because a lot of physicians will say just take time off, but then you're still stuck with the same weakness or inflexibility. Um, so have a physician, a physical therapist, um, you know, work with you to develop that stuff. So that's what I would say are the biggest things. Hmm. And have you used barefoot running or the minimalist running shoes at all? I know that's been a trend in recent years. Have you gotten into that at all? No, no, I don't use that that at all. Um, I mean, I don't want to say I use it at all, but um, I would say if I do it, it's very minimal. Um, and it's probably only once or twice a week, and it would be a mile or two. Um, so I would I'd find a grass field and take my shoes off and go run. Um, it's also a way for me to work on my mechanics, uh, because the most efficient way is to run a midfoot strike. Uh, but you have to develop your body and your muscles, all of your muscles to be able to support that. And so, um, sometimes I'm lazy. I used to be a heel striker and change my form. And so that helps me, um, really to, 
uh, kind of re-engage those muscles and for me to get my mind around, you know, continuing to, um, to change that form. So that's what I'll focus on, but it's only a couple days a week. Um, if I do it, I haven't done it recently, but, um, you know, that's kind of what I'll do just to help strengthen those, those muscles in my feet. Um, yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that you've, you actually have changed your form from more of a heel strike to more of a midfoot strike. How long did that process take? And was barefoot running, uh, important to that? Or can you do that with shoes on as well? Um, I did it with shoes on. Um, I worked with a podiatrist to help, um, uh, mold a an insert for me and some different things. I did that when I was in high school. So I took a look at my coach in high school told me he goes, um, he said, you know, I want you to look at the Olympic final um, and watch the guys run in the Olympic final for the 5k or the 1500 and look at how they run, look at their form. And so I did and it was every single guy had this perfect midfoot strike with a high heel kick and that no one ran on their heels. And I was a huge heel striker when I was like a freshman and sophomore in high school. So um, it was really bad. And, but every time you do that, you're putting on the brakes. You then have to transfer your momentum over your midpoint to do and push off um, with the ball of your foot. And so uh, I just, by sheer will, started to say, all right, I'm going to land on the ball of my foot. And I had extremely tight calves for years. I still have tight calves now. Um, but after I made that transition, I had two stress fractures, like right after one after another, both years during my track season. And so, um, I made the transition and it's still something I constantly think about, constantly develop. It's, it's never anything that I, you're always trying to change your form. You're always trying to get better because if you're not, you're going to get worse. And as an elite athlete like that, you want to be thinking about that. So I'm always thinking about relaxing my arms, driving my knees, making my foot strike go right. And, um, you know, it's something always kind of cool for me too. We have, we do video running analysis at our physical therapy place and um and so i'm i help do that so i can always hop on and do our video thing and see what i'm doing if i'm doing anything wrong or always tweak my stuff too um but yeah so barefoot i would say it helped me a little bit just to kind of get the strength in my feet to be able to support doing that um and it was something that really keyed my mind in or if i work with clients um doing that changing, making that change from heel strike to midfoot. We do run barefoot. I do encourage them to do that because it gets you thinking about, okay, how do I, how should I be running? So, um, yeah, but it's a definitely something that needs to be supported with exercises and strength and, um, with those things, because if you just make a change just by sheer will, you try and do it, you're going to get injured because your body's not used to it. So you have to functionally support all of your stabilization muscles in your leg and ankles and feet and hamstrings and, and stuff like that to make that transition. Um, but when you do, it can become more efficient for someone who's trying to run at that um, elite level or at that level. So. Mm-hmm. so would you, so it sounds like it's, it could be useful. Maybe if you use it as a tool, maybe a couple times a week, just a small amount, but then the rest yeah. of the time, you know, keep your shoes on. sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just for me, that's just what's worked. I mean, I ran so many, run so many miles and that stuff. It's just a lot of pounding, um, for what my body, um, had been used to for 18 or 20 years, you know, so I didn't want to just throw away the shoes and do that. Uh, I thought <laughs> right. it was really important for me to stay injury free and not to kind of continue, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to risk it. And, yeah. um, you know, and that's just kind of, it just, especially also just helping your muscles relax and recover, having that cushion, those things just kind of helps perpetuate that if you're running that far. Yeah. And are you getting your mileage back up to that 120 miles a week again, as you're moving towards the half marathon? What are you doing lately? 
Um, lately, I've been kind of I've been building it. So I took um, I took a little bit of break a little bit ago. I think in between the, the last time that we talked, and um, and I'm just building my mileage right now. So I'm getting I'm probably going to be about 50 or 60 miles this week, and going to try and go up to that kind of 90 100 barrier. I don't think it's it's not realistic for me to be able to run probably over. 95 100 miles a week anymore just because i'm working um if i was able to run you know twice a day i could do that but i would have to get up at five you know i I get up early already and run but then i have to run at seven o'clock at night every night and it just um i can't mentally handle that anymore so it's going to be more just singles so i'll probably do 13 or 14 miles a day um in singles um and do that. So that's what I'm looking really to make the transition there. And it's something that I know I can handle. So it won't be that 120 miles a week. It'll be more, you know, that 90 to a hundred miles a week. Um, but it's going to be quality more than just kind of, you know, be in one run versus two runs and, and that. So. Mm-hmm. And what kind of advice would you give to our listeners who maybe aren't running a hundred or working to 90 miles a week, but they might be working up from say 10 to 20 miles, you know, how can you do that safely without getting injured? Gradually, I mean, that's the biggest, yeah, like you said, um, Aaron, the biggest thing is to do it without getting injured. That's just a gradual transition. You know, they say to uh, only increase things by 10% um, is a good rule of thumb, maybe 20% if you really feel comfortable, but really staying within that boundary is good. Um, And understanding that being healthy for longer is better than trying to achieve that short term goal. So um, I like to, if I go up in mileage, I'll do. I'll go up in mileage one week and then go back down the next week. And then I'll kind of cycle it up and down for a little bit until I feel comfortable. And then I'll have two weeks at a higher mileage or three weeks at a higher mileage within one week of, of relaxing or one like a rest week, you would say. So if I'll run 90 miles one week, I might do that twice and then take a down week at 70 miles um, you know, or 60 or whatever you need to do that. So building that into um, your weekly mileage is good, but also into your daily mileage. So increasing it you know fractionally is always good you know maybe you're running two miles a day right now we'll run three miles tomorrow and then run two miles for two days and then maybe run three again the fourth day um, kind of a thing and so just kind of cycling that until your body really gets used to it and then just keep building it up slowly okay my advice okay so brandon you're looking towards running some longer distances in the future um where can listeners uh where can we look to find you next are you, are you have any half marathons or marathons uh, on the schedule i don't have anything scheduled yet um i'm still just working i really want to get my mileage up and my body in that position where i know i can hit a good one before i commit to saying i'm going to do this race or that race but i'll be sure and let you guys know um when that's going to happen but most likely it'll probably be early summer um sometime around then or late spring and Brandon, where's the best place where people can go online to find out more about you? Yeah, so on um, on my website, brandonbethke.com, I have a Twitter, at brandonbethke, or Instagram. are some great places. If I'm not always on there, we have our, our website for a physical therapy place. It's just wcrspt.com. Um, so we're always kind of doing different stuff like that. So, yeah. Great. Well, Brandon, it's been great talking with you, and I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing some tips about training and eating with all the listeners. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. You've been listening to 3Fuel Podcast. For more information, go to 3Fuel.com or follow us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle 3Fuel or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash 3Fuel. Thanks for listening.